Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Today, we're going to be discussing the one, the only, Malik Heath. And he has been one of two undrafted free agents that I would say have been sort of the buzz of mini camps, rookie mini camps, and OTAs. Malik Heath on the offensive side of the ball, Brenton Cox on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to be going over Malik Heath today. Tomorrow, I'll be going over Brenton Cox, assuming there's no breaking news that we need to get to. But these are the two undrafted free agents that have by far and away had the most buzz and caught the most attention so far of the reporters that have been there at practice every day. On the defensive side of the ball, Brenton Cox has already received a shout out from Matt LaFleur. On the offensive side of the ball, Malik Keith has basically caught some sort of impressive pass or had some sort of impressive play at just about every single practice that's been open to the media. So as far as whether or not these two players are ultimately going to get into the conversation for a 53-man roster spot, still far too early to say. And I think training camp is obviously going to be a huge testing and battleground for both of those players as they try to prove that they are worthy of a 53-man spot. But either way, it is around this time where you, you know every single year we start looking at some of the undrafted free agents that maybe can make a name for themselves, maybe get on the roster. And Green Bay usually does keep a undrafted free agent or two, and these are the two that are probably probably the leaders in the clubhouse thus far. Now, as far as what they can bring to the team, all those sorts of things, we'll get to that in the breakdown. And again, today we're going to be focusing on Malik Heath, but it's more of just, can they get their name in the conversation, right? Can they find their way onto maybe the practice squad or onto the 53-man roster? Can they find a way to get active for game day? And that's how things start. And then eventually you get your chance. And all of a sudden, before you know it, they're contributors out on the field. So what can Malik, you know, Heath bring to the team? We'll go over all the positives and negatives. I've done all my deep dive scouting reports for all the, you know, drafted players so far. If you remember, right at the end, I did sort of a quick breakdown of all the undrafted free agents altogether, sort of knowing that there would be a couple that would, you know, kind of 
catch everyone's eye in OTAs and mini camps, etc. And then at that time, I would do a deep dive. So today, that deep dive is for Malik Keith. So let's jump right into it. 6'2", 213-pound wide receiver out of Ole Miss. So this is not a small, insignificant, undersized wide receiver. This is a legitimate, above 6'2", 213-pound, great build wide receiver out of the SEC. So that should be the first thing that's noted here. Started at a community college, Copia, 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 Lincoln Community College, whatever it is, played there for two years, played at Mississippi State for two years, and then transferred to Ole Miss for his final season. Not sure how you go from playing for Mississippi State to Ole Miss, the two rivals usually butting heads, but uh, he did the unthinkable and played for both teams. He was a fifth year senior and he is 23 years of age. So he is not one of those, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old rookies. He will be 23 uh, this upcoming season. He's 23 right now. Um, so not overaged, but certainly like you would expect out of a fifth year senior, he's going to be a little bit, uh, you know, up there in age at 23 years old. Through his career, 131 catches, 1,720 yards, 13 touchdowns, 10 drops. That was through the course of his entire career, not including the community college days. That's just the two years at Mississippi State and the one year at Ole Miss. His best season was in 2022 for Ole Miss when he had 60 catches, 971 yards, a 16.2 yard average, five touchdowns, had five drops, but still a very impressive season overall, led the team in receiving. He finished his career with a eight catch, 137 yard, one touchdown performance in a bowl game against Texas Tech. Also against Alabama this past year, had a six catch, 123 yard game. So this is not like he is, you know, putting up garbage numbers against garbage teams. This is legitimate performance at an SEC school against teams like Texas Tech in a bowl game against Alabama. It was a very impressive year. And again, when you lead an SEC team in receiving in any season, that's going to be noteworthy nonetheless. So that is, uh, in, like I said, an impressive year and coming off his best season of his career at Ole Miss this past year. All right, from an athletic standpoint, a 6.58 relative athletic score. So uh, still a 65th percentile athlete. This is not somebody that, you know, you're thinking of, all right, he had a good year in the SEC, you know, maybe moved around schools a little bit, but he's got that good build. So clearly there's something, right? He's got to be like a really low end athlete. That's why he was undrafted, but not quite the case. It's not like he's a 99th percentile athlete or anything like that, but still above average per relative athletic scores in Kent Lee Platty's grades. So a 6.58 score, 81 percentile height, 86 percentile weight, 79th percentile broad jump, 79th percentile 10 yard split. Those were the above average numbers. The two things, the two red flags, 18th percentile short shuttle. So the agility, not quite there. And the 32nd percentile 40 yard dash with a 4.6440. So you start putting together, had to move around, you know, colleges a little bit, only the one kind of breakout year, a 4.6440 40 yard dash, 23 years old, fifth year senior, you know, those are the sort of things that ultimately lead you to be a undrafted free agent. But overall, still SEC player, good production, especially this past year, still above average athlete. There's a lot still to like here about Malik Heath. As far as athletic comps go, two of the ones that came up were Gabe Davis, the wide receiver for the Bills, as well as Grant DuBose, the Packers' seventh round wide receiver as well. So interesting that those two were pretty close to each other athletically, but Gabe Davis, probably the one that you're sort of hoping that maybe he can turn himself into that type of wide receiver. 
From a PFF standpoint, in 2020, he had a 55.3 grade. Remember, 60 is kind of average, so below average in 2020. In 2021, he had a 58.2 grade, so below average again. In 2022, a 76.0 grade. So again, it goes to say that he had one of his best seasons this past year in 2022 with Ole Miss. Interestingly enough, when he was with Mississippi State, played almost entirely on the left side as a left wide receiver out wide. In 2022 for Ole Miss, he played almost entirely right side wide receiver. So he really didn't miss your, you know, mix and match, you know, a little bit on the left, a little bit on the right, a little bit on the slot. No, but it, it's really interesting that Mississippi State always left wide, Mississippi always right wide. So he has the ability to play both, but it's interesting that they used him very differently in that regard. All right, so as far as some kind of background info on him, it's also interesting to note that he was a top 200 high school recruit. So this was somebody that coming out of high school, they thought very fondly of and was a top recruit in the nation. Again, if you're a top 200 recruit, all can, you know all positions combined for any given class, that's a pretty impressive player. And even better than that, he was the single top recruit coming out of the state of Mississippi. So this was a very high-end high school recruit going into you know college. He had to do the two years of community college before he went to Mississippi State. But even after the two years of community college, he was a sought-after you know JUCO transfer as well. So he has always been somebody that has kind of been top of radar when it comes from a recruiting standpoint. As far as his positives go. One of my favorite aspects about him is he's pretty smooth through the catch point. So there are multiple plays on tape on in-breaking routes, quarterback hits him in stride. He's able to pluck the ball out of the air and continue right through his route without slowing down, without losing momentum. He is able to accelerate through that catch point and everything just looks very, very smooth. You know, in that regards, you feel like he looks like a pro wide receiver when you get that first look at him. He's got that great build, great size over 6'2". He's got, uh, again, high-end functional strength when it comes to that build. He's plucking the ball out of the air and he does it smoothly. You're like, all right, you have something to work with you. And that's really what's caught in, I think, everyone's eye at training camp as well as he has that big body physical, you know, possession receiver sort of build. And he's all of a sudden, you know, plucking balls out of air with ease. You can, you know, hit some of the back shoulder stuff, but he's doing it with a relative smoothness as well. I think that's what kind of, you know, really, you know, just makes you go, okay, there's, there's something that he can work with here. As I mentioned, he has a nice big frame for an outside wide receiver. I talk about this all the time, but it's a lot easier to find those 5'8", 5'9", 5'10", gadget wide receivers that you know can do a little bit of everything. Maybe you can you know get it to them on a jet sweep or a, a toss or whatever the case may be. It's a lot harder to find guys who can legitimately win on the outside. Outside wide receivers are more valuable than slot wide receivers. So the fact that he is a primary outside wide receiver and has that great build is certainly a positive here as well. I really like the subtlety that he has on his double moves. There were multiple times with multiple different types of double moves that he won with ease on the outside. He uses his whole body to sell, but in a very subtle way. You'll see these wide receivers that they get so herky-jerky and they get like, so like, I'm going to sell so far this way. And it's like almost takes them like their whole momentum, like out of the play. Then they have to regather and get back up the field. His is much more subtle. It's much more of like a little, like almost just like a little peak and like a little bit of like, oh, he's going right. And then bam, before you know it, he's crossing over the other way and he's going up the field and right past the cornerback. So whether it's an out and up, whether it's a stutter and go, whatever it may be, a slant and go, like he shows that he has that beautiful subtlety to his game where it's not like, you know, all the limbs moving everywhere, but it's enough that makes the corner bite 
and then he can just easily accelerate up the field and get that separation that he needs. Again, multiple different routes, multiple double moves, multiple times that he was able to gain easy separation by using that subtle T with his route running. I think he has really nice releases against press coverage as well. He's got a little bit of a stutter step and is able to kind of get that free release to the inside, free release to the outside. I think he, you know, every wide receiver coming out of college needs to work on their release game in some capacity, work on their route running. But I think he's coming at a very sound foundation from a release package standpoint and has things to work with to make sure that he's not getting jammed up at the line of scrimmage by bigger, more physical corners. And when you already have that great frame and you have a nice release, that's going to give you an opportunity to win with separation and get some of those open passes, especially in the middle of the field, which those in-breaking routes seemingly are what he works best at. The slants, the ins, those sort of things, that's where he really can kind of gain that separation and use that big frame in the middle of the field. Also knows how to use leverage at the break point to gain separation. A little lean into the corner and then break to the opposite direction is something that you'll see quite often from him. He'll get the, the arm extended enough where it's going to gain separation, but not gain a call from the referee, which is really, really well done. He had a go route on the right sideline where he was able to just kind of get his arm back enough to put that separation between him and the corner to give himself a easy you know, opportunity at a touchdown catch, which he ultimately came down with. It's those sort of things. And I go back to that subtlety a little bit of like, just a little bit of physicality at the point of attack that's not going to get called, but it's going to gain you enough separation. And then he's able to kind of box out with that big frame and just give you know quarterbacks that big target in the middle of the field. I think he also has pretty sharp cuts at his break point. So when he needs to cut off a route, you'll see him being able to do it. You know, it's not rounded off. It's not, it's not taking him too long to get back to the quarterback. Like he's hitting that, you know, that point, And then he's getting immediately back with a sharp cut. And again, giving that target to the quarterback. So I like that from a route running standpoint. He has great upper body strength to run through press from smaller corners. So you will see at times where smaller corners are coming up to get their hands on him, whether it's at the line of scrimmage or whether it's down the field a little bit, he just runs right through it. Like they're not even there. And that just shows again, some of the upper body strength that he has, where he's just completely uninhibited and unbothered by these smaller corners. Now, a, a bigger, more physical corner is going to certainly, you know, have that a little bit more of effect on him, but you'll see some of these 5'10 guys, they get their hands on, he's just running right through it. Doesn't even matter. It's like, they're not even there. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. 
Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley's style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. Good overall body control, multiple back shoulder fades, multiple uh, you know jump ball attempts that he has where he's able to completely contort and control his body uh, to be able to make a play on the ball. Doesn't always come down with it. We'll talk more on that in just a moment, but I do think he has very nice body control. As an example, he had three back shoulder plays versus Alabama, all of which were catches, and he drew a pass interference on another play. And a lot of that is just that build and that body control coming back to the football, you know, using that, uh, you know, is a, you know, kind of separation ability and, you know, the ability to use leverage a little bit at the catch point to get that separation. All those things come in handy when you're trying to run some of those back shoulder fades. We know Alabama loves their press coverage. And when you're going one-on-one, some of those are going to be open for you. And he made it look easy against Alabama and their press coverage. He's not afraid to work the middle of the field. He has that toughness and physicality to be able to go in the middle, take a hit and, you know, maintain possession of the ball. And that was my next point is he can take a hit as well. And when you're 6'2", 220, basically, you're going to be able to absorb those hits a little bit better than some of the 5'10", 180 sort of wide receivers. So he has that frame to work the middle of the field and be that overall possession wide receiver. On the negative side, ran a lot of dummy routes and kind of is in a little bit of a gimmicky offense in Ole Miss. That would give me a little bit more of a cause for concern if it hadn't been for the fact that Ole Miss has had some really good wide receivers, including A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, running that offense and being able to transition into the NFL. Remember, the big thing with D.K. was like, all he does is go routes and and slants. Like, is he going to be able to do anything else in the NFL? And it's like, well... Yeah, he can. And uh, once he has more routes at his disposal, he becomes even more dangerous. So a little bit of a different offense to run, but you know, other wide receivers have not had difficulty transitioning from Ole Miss into the NFL. He did have a few concentration drops that were on tape, and that showed up with some of those statistics that I read off earlier as well. He's there. He's got good hands. He plucks the ball out of the air. It just is a little bit where he's trying to do too much or get upfield, and he just ends up dropping the ball. So that's something he needs to clean up a little bit. I think he lacks, the the biggest thing, if you want to know why this was a player that was not drafted, is he really lacks the wow quality. Doesn't break a lot of tackles, doesn't have a lot of run after the catch ability, lacks high-end speed, doesn't have great burst, isn't going to separate with ease. Like It's just, there's nothing that you're watching Malik Heath and going like, man, he is just blowing me away because he's doing this. It's not like he can sky up and he's mossing a bunch of, you know, corners on the outside. Like there's just nothing that wows you. He does a lot of things very well, but I think that just lacking any sort of special trait is what ultimately has kind of held him back up until this point and could end up being, uh, you know, an issue at the NFL level as well. 
He's an inconsistent blocker. He has the frame to be a much better blocker. And here's the interesting thing with Heath is that when he's just on the outside as a wide receiver and he's just kind of going down the field and kind of blocking his corner, it doesn't seem like he cares all that much and he doesn't do a very good job of it. When he's given an assignment on a play to block, they even use him a little bit as an H-back. They'll use him in motion to come and crack down on a you know linebacker or a corner or safety, whatever it is. They'll use him in a variety of different ways where he actually has a job to do as a blocker. When he's in those situations, he does pretty darn well. It's just kind of when he's out on his island and he's out, you know, kind of running the dummy route, and then the running, you know, the the you know running back comes his way or the run game comes his way, and then now he has to block that corner. It's like he's just kind of going through the motion. So I think he has the ability to get better. He's got the frame to be a good blocker. I think he's going to be a better blocker in Matt Lafleur's system because he knows he's going to have to. Um, so I don't feel like it's going to be a huge issue. But in college, it was very very inconsistent. Um, contested catches were a major issue. That was something that, you know, when you were that size, that frame, and you're not gaining a ton of separation because you're a 4640 guy, you're going to have to come up with a lot of contested catches. And that was something that he very much struggled with at Ole Miss was coming down with those contested catch plays. And a lot of times, whether it was a jump ball or the corner was able to make a play on the ball and rip it out of his hands, whatever it was, sometimes it was just concentration drops. He struggled with those contested catches, and that's something he has to really, really clean up if he wants to make it in the NFL. Because as I mentioned, he's not going to separate with ease. He's not going to go up and just moss people. So a lot of his productivity is going to have to come with contested catches. And if he can't do that, it's going to make his life in the NFL very, very difficult. So that's a place where he has to get better. There was also a lot of plays where he just wasn't on the same page as his quarterback. Most of these were zone defense. Quarterback was expecting him to keep going and he sat down. Like those were the usual issues, but there were a handful of plays where it just didn't feel like the quarterback and wide receiver are on the same page. Do I know that that's all on Malik Heath? I don't. Could it have been on the quarterback? Yes. Could it have been a different sort of issue or like maybe just some wires got crossed? Sure. But it happened enough where it was at least noteworthy. And it's something that I'm going to, you know, kind of be keeping an eye on because you, you don't want a situation where Jordan Love is, you know, expecting Malik Heath to keep going. And then Heath stops and Love throws it and ends up in an easy interception for the opposing defense. So those are things that definitely can't happen. And I'm sure we'll get cleaned up. But that was something that I noted on his tape as well. As far as what he can be for Green Bay, I do think he's a nice scheme fit. There's a little, um, I don't think to this level, but there's some Alan Lazard to his game. You know, has the ability to be a good blocker, is more of a possession wide receiver, isn't going to wow with, you know, pacing or speed, pretty decent route runner, has got some nice releases off the line of scrimmage, can do a lot of the back shoulder stuff, can get past you with a little bit of separation using that leverage and physicality. I see a little bit of that. Um, You know, those are the sort of, you, you know, possession type wide receivers that I think, you know, he kind of mirrors is sort of like that Alan Lazard or Bostic or, or excuse me, uh, Jared Boykin is who I'm thinking of. Sorry, not Brandon Bostic, Jared Boykin, Geronimo Allison a little bit. Some of those other undrafted free agents who found their way to sort of make a living in the NFL and specifically with the Green Bay Packers, that bigger possession wide receiver that can go over the middle of the field. And you kind of need that guy in your team from time to time. I think Malik Heath can be a piece at wide receiver for the Packers. I don't think he can ever be the piece. I don't think he can ever evolve into a number one or number two wide receiver. I think his ceiling is probably more as a number three, number four. But let's just say, for instance, that a Romeo Dobbs hits his ceiling and Christian Watson hits his ceiling. Like You can live with a wide receiver like Malik Heath if he you know, becomes that solid possession wide receiver. 
If you have a playmaker in Christian Watson and a really well-rounded overall wide receiver in Romeo Dobbs that can do a little bit of everything, and now you've got a possession wide receiver that can play on the outside too, like you can make a really nice three wide receiver set out of that, assuming they all kind of reach their ceilings, right? So that's where I kind of see Malik Heath's ceiling. For now, he just has to find a way to be the number six wide receiver. Grant DuBose is going to be in that conversation. Bo Melton's going to be in that conversation. And they may have to fight for practice squad spots if they can't make it on the 53. So those are all going to be things that are worth keeping an eye on. But I do feel like he has some upside long-term as like a, I don't know, number three, number four wide receiver in the NFL. Overall, not super surprised that he wasn't drafted, but I do think he can be a really nice find as an undrafted free agent and maybe even a potential contributor with probably a ceiling as a number three wide receiver. And I do think he will very much be in the conversation to make it as a number six wide receiver for the team. And if not, would extremely uh, bet that, you know, or, you know, just put a, a lot of money down that he would be a practice squad player for Green Bay unless he gets claimed by some other team and put on their 53. Overall, what we've seen in practices from him is a lot of the same stuff we saw on tape. A smooth wide receiver at the catch point who's got good size, good build, not great speed, but has come up with plays in just about every single practice. And I think we're seeing the better side of Malik Heath so far. And he's really carrying that over from what we saw coming off his best season of his career at Ole Miss last year. And it's possible that sometimes it just takes wide receivers a little bit longer to click. And it's possible that last year at Ole Miss was the year that it clicked. And now he's carrying that over and is ready to even take another step in a positive direction. Maybe there's a level that he can reach yet that we haven't even seen in college. Sometimes that happens with college players if it clicks at a little bit of a later age. And like I said, we saw his best season last year. Let's hope he can carry that over and even be better in the NFL than what he was in his final season at Ole Miss. That's going to do it for me today. Hope you enjoyed this breakdown of Malik Heath. I'll be right back here tomorrow with a breakdown of Brenton Cox, the star undrafted free agent on the defensive side of the ball. But until next time, and as always, go Paco. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.